Um, so that that's uh, I mean that's Paul. He's been consistently he he works a job he has done since he was on the program. He got a job after the program, and uh, he still works there. He drives a a, a van, and uh, he's bought his own home. He's uh, faithful in church. Uh, he's an usher in LifeGate. And uh, just that everything involved in everything, you know, if uh, if anybody needs help, he's there and just consistently faithful uh, to serve the Lord. So uh, wonderful privilege to have Paul with us. Uh, and just to show you that somebody from the very beginning of New Hope, and they're still going on. Now, we would hope that for everybody. That would be our hope. But people have different journeys and people make mistakes and they slip and they slide sometimes. And, you know... It's not the best way, but you know what? Oftentimes people find their feet eventually, and you just need to keep loving them. You need to keep working with them. You need to keep helping them, and uh, and and just keep going with them. Uh, I'm so glad that God didn't turn His back on me when I was in trouble. Um, let me share with you. My family uh, is probably all know them. Uh, these prayer cards, you'll probably feel the ink is probably wet on them, alright? That was last Sunday. So that's how recent they are. I am the worst missionary that's out there at certain things, okay? I'm really good at certain things, but other things I'm bad at. And that's, as you'll see, the slides and prayer cards and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I get them done. I get loads of them. And because my wife keeps having children for some reason, <laughs> the prayer cards become obsolete really quick. And, and then, is he trying to get five kids that size to look ahead? And look the same way. Paul will tell you, he was dangling sets of keys. And if you look closely, Lorcan has a set of keys in his hand. You know, he was, you know, keys are his thing, by the way. But um, why aren't they with us today? They are meant to be with us today. But on Thursday, I decided to cancel them coming. Um, Lorcan has been having seizures uh, two a day normally, lasting about six minutes. Um, so they think he might have epilepsy or something like that. They've started him on medication but so far, uh, that hasn't made any difference. So that's only in the last couple of weeks that's been going on. Um, so that's why not with us. Well, you'll see them again soon, I'm sure. Um, then you have Connors, the oldest. Uh, and wisest, I think. I'm not sure of that. But uh, we have Ushin on the far side. You know, Ushin had cancer. He's still having to get checked and stuff like that, but doing really, really well. Uh, and then we have Aiden. Uh, just started learning the violin, so he's uh, he's the music guy. And then we have Sean, look so innocent, but don't let looks deceive you, all right? Uh, we watched the show about gold, uh, digging for gold the other day, and he says to me after the show, he says, you know what, me and you should go out into the back garden and start digging for gold, you know? Um, so that's Sean. Sean's, uh, Sean's a, a live war, um, but uh, just a little face, and he can put on the little eyes and the little lip for you. Uh, so he is, that's the Kellys and um, we keep having boys I think it's because they're going to be free labour in the men's home for me later on <laughs> I don't know, I just think that's the way it's going um, but uh, Claire would like a girl but um, we have been having uh, obviously issues with some of the kids so uh, if the Lord brings a girl that would be great, if he brings a boy that would be great, but uh, we will have to wait and see hopefully the prayer cards are gone by, <laughs> by that time um, but they're the Kellys, and, and they're doing, uh, all are doing well. Um, bar a little thing with Lorcan. And Lorcan has allergies. He's allergic to everything. He's allergic to dairy, nuts, soya, wheat, strawberries, bananas. You know, you say it, he's allergic to it. 
um, and having five other kids around the house or four other kids around the house, you can tell how difficult it is to keep food away from him, you know, because he's two. Um, so you need to pray for him on that because it's so hard to feed the guy. Um, you know, there's very little food he can eat. So uh, pray for Lorcan with that. But for that, everybody else is great and, and uh, God's blessing our family. So um, we've been missionaries now for do you know how long? Ten. Ten years. This will be year 11 now in the summer. Um, so we're getting support from Bible uh, Baptist Church here for the past ten years. We got supported by this church when we first came over. And uh, that's a long time, so I really appreciate it. And, you know, there's some churches that your heart is just knit to, and this is this is the main one, to be honest. And I uh, love you. Thank you for being involved in all that we do and being involved with the men and helping us get them to men's camp and stuff like that. Uh, they love it. We're getting ready for that at the moment. Uh, but you know what? It's just a, a blessing, and I hope you see the benefit of your investment. Not just in the in the money you throw in the pot, but listen, the, the prayers that you pray, the interest that you show, uh, it's really important that you're involved. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're really close to what's going on, it can be hard to see how how miraculous it is in some senses. But this morning I hope that you, when you come away from church, you're going to think, man, God has been good to them. And God has been good to them, and he's used used to do it. Because I wouldn't be doing it if churches like yours weren't financially supporting me and haven't prayed for me for all these years. So I'm not going to tell you to pat yourselves on the back because some of you probably do that too much anyway. <laughs> so, but listen, that's what missions is all about. It's about sending people to do the work that you can't do and then watching what God does. And uh, I hope you're encouraged by what God is doing because um, you're being involved to help a lot of people. Okay? And, uh, and, it's, and it's not over. So that's the old me. Um... I used to be this color as well. <laughs> um, but most of you know who I am and uh, know my testimony. And I'm not going to give you my testimony around, but I know what it's like to be a heroin addict. I know what it's like to be a drug addict, okay? And it's not good, all right? And, uh, and the mistakes of leaving school early and all that, they're, they're all the, the huge mistakes that, that I made in life. But I know this. I know that somebody can go from being an absolute drug addict, sleeping rough, eating out of a bin to being totally changed and God totally transforming their life. And I know it. And how do you know it? Because it's happened in my life. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Not because of program, but because God can change individual lives. And it's no problem to Him. It's not a big deal. The things that we're asking God to do they're not hard for him. He's not sitting there sweating, thinking, man, you need to relax now. Take it easy. <laughs> it's not a big deal to God. He is all-powerful. And the difficulty that you might have this morning coming into church and saying, you don't know how hard it is, Leighton. Maybe not. But God can overcome in any area. Whatever the struggle is, you need to keep bringing it to the Lord and be expecting by faith that He is going to change things around. So, New Hope Residential Centre. I lived in Scotland. I married my wife. It's good to know I married my wife, isn't it? Um, I married my wife in Scotland. And, uh, and we weren't planning on being missionaries or anything like that. We were planning. I was working a job in Glasgow City Council. 
and I, I was happy to do that. I just bought a, a two-bedroom apartment. Never thought I would ever do that. You know, I'd married the pastor's daughter. Never thought I would do that. Driving license and all those things. You know, and everything was normal. I was in church. I was in uh, running the youth group in church. I was involved in the local church. I was active. I was at all the services. That's what I was doing. And then we came to Ireland, heard preaching in a missions conference in Dublin. Um, and God just called the two of us to give up what we were doing and move to Ireland. And in the year 2005, me and my wife, she was pregnant at the time, um, we gave up what we had in Scotland, gave up our house. Uh, Claire was fin- just finishing a PhD at the time. Uh, so we walked away from a whole lot of stuff. I left a really secure job. If you work for the council and all that kind of stuff, you're pretty secure. Let's just be honest. You know, you know, you, you'd probably have to kill half the people you work with to get fired, is the reality. <laughs> so uh, for, for, for me, I had a really secure job, and I just bought the house, and you think, you know what, this is, this is going great, and then God says, okay, it's time to leave it all. And you're, like, and you're like, are you sure? Are you really sure? And you think, maybe he's wrong. Maybe I can do what I'm doing over here, and I can, or what I would do over there, I'd just do it over here. That would be better. And, uh, and God clearly led us to leave what we had. And we left Scotland, and this is no joke, we left Scotland, and we didn't leave to do your normal missionary deputation stuff. So a lot of the missionaries you will see and probably you support have gone and spent maybe four years or whatever traveling around America or other places, raising support before they ever go onto the mission field to become missionaries. Well, I didn't actually know that. Okay, If I had known that, I would have been in much better shape. So I moved over to Ireland, and we only had, and this is no joke, we had 500 euros a, a month, a month uh, support. And that was from LifeGate. We didn't have any other support. I had a load of meetings booked in from churches, but that's all we had. And I didn't have money in the bank or anything like that. But I was listening to God's call. God was going to provide the way. And he, as you can see, I haven't starved to death. I have five kids and a wife, and, and they haven't done so either. God has always met our needs. Has it always been easy? No, it hasn't always been easy, and it's still not easy. But God always makes a way. And where he directs, he can provide and he will provide the enablement to do it. And, uh, and that's what we done. We moved over to Ireland and we started a Reforms Anonymous like what you have here in, in Cork. And I also, um, a year later or so, um, I would travel at the weekends. And after a year or so, the Lord burdened us to open a New Hope Residential Center. Called it a different name back then. But this is what it is. Um, this is the Blessington Road, all right? Um, that's the Blessington Road, the N81. And what New Hope currently owns is three acres of property. Okay? All of this. Okay? And we tried to buy this as well, but he didn't want to sell it to us. Yeah, uh, yeah LBRs soon. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, your man keeps hearing knocking on his window and stuff every night. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> nah, he, he's an old guy. He was born in the house, and he wants to die in the house. But he, he, he's a really old guy, and uh, we're nice to him. He likes us. But, um, but right now, that's what New Hope owns. The golf course is no longer open. It's uh, sold, and it's a farmer farming all the land now. Okay? 
so we don't actually have all the neighbours in. This is our friendly neighbours, the travellers there next door. Um, they give us some hassle, but not much. They're quite friendly, you know. Um, and this building here, if you can see it, that would be the main building. And um, we would house right now 15 men, and we would keep them for the year, okay? And um, somebody can come in to us, and they can be on heroin and all that when they're coming in. They don't have to go to a hospital and get cleaned and all that for us. They can come in and, and really whatever state they're on as long as it's going to be safe for them to do so. And we'll work with our doctor along them lines. And uh, we also have this building. It's harder to see this. This is shaped like a C. And currently, um, this side is done up, and you'll see this in a few minutes, done up in the bedrooms. Over the next few weeks and months, over the next, it'll be weeks, we're doing up this side into single bedrooms as well. We have an organization coming down from Northern Ireland that's going to do the building work for us, and we just have to provide the uh, building materials. So that will give us an extra four single rooms. Okay. Um, this little part cabin here is my office. <laughs> um, and basically, we house 15 guys, uh, but that will go up to 19 uh, over the next, I would say, two months. Um, we've done a huge amount of upgrading. Um, on the, the property since we rented it. We've been renting it for the past, since we, since we moved in, obviously, we've been renting it. So it's been open eight years. Um, this field is ours, and uh, this is other land here that's ours. But this field is ours, and um, this road, there's a planned road to go through this field, through the clubhouse, and over the back of the hills. So at some point in time, now it's not in the plan right now, but maybe the next plan it will be, um, the council are going to have to come with a truckload of money, drive up this street here, reverse it down there, and dump it on the tarmac here. <laughs> okay? <laughs> All right? And I only, I only take five euro notes because they feel like more. Um, but um, that's, that's the plan. And that's why the, that's why the guy that owned it, the same guy owned it, this and the golf course, and that's why he kept them for so long because he knew at some point in time, this road that's planned, it's the N81 upgrade, the bypass Blessington and all that, at some stage the council have to do it. They don't have the money to do it right now. It could be 10, 15 years before it's done. But uh, at some stage they'll have to buy our wasteland field office, which we, don't have, we wouldn't get planning to build on it anyway, so it doesn't really matter to us. And um, hopefully that's, uh, that's the way things are going to go. But um, right now we... we the, the owner of the uh, golf course and New Hope, he had to sell, and you know the story, you know we bought the building, so there's no point in me hiding that from you. We bought the building, three acres of land in Tala, and we paid 280,000 euro. Now, that's in Dublin, that's in Tala. I've just, well, I'll tell you this now, I'm going to fill you in on some of the story that you're going to hear in a few minutes. We've just bought another two houses. And I paid 160 for one three-bedroom house, and I paid 170 for another three-bedroom house. Okay, I'll tell you about that in a minute. How was exciting, didn't I? <laughs> um, so uh, you can see 170 for a three-bedroom house. There's going to be 19 uh, people living here. Uh, it's a huge piece of ground, uh, and I got it for 280, and we only pay, uh, we paid 170 for a three-bedroom house in the same area. Okay. So that's, the, that's how good of a deal it was, and the Lord really blessed all the way through it. Um, this is what it was like when we first moved in. 
Do you remember that, Paul? There was no glass in the windows. They were all smashed. Graffiti all over the walls. There was um, no copper. Our neighbours had come in and relieved us of the copper <laughs> before, before, we, uh, before we bought the place. Um, or before we rented the place. So it was all overgrown. And basically the landlord just got it up to living, basic living standards and then turned it over to us. So we got the rent fairly cheap compared to what the market price was, which worked for us. And we just kind of upgraded since then. Um, these are the sheds, our horse stables at the moment. They will be getting converted into single bedrooms now over the next couple of weeks. Um, and this is what the other side is like. So they are currently single bedrooms along there. Um, and the guys have their own front door. This is what it used to be like. This is the second building, the one that's shaped like a C. It used to be a borne out building. Um, that was just boarded up, um, but now it's now it's by the time we're finished with it, it's all done up now. But by the time we're finished with it, it will hold um, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It'll hold twelve men, okay, uh, and two offices. And see the way it's shaped like a C. There is a plan in the future that we will convert it into one entire building and put a roof right over it. Uh, but I need planning permission to do that. Uh, so that's, that's a bit of a, a thing for maybe next year or the year after. Um, so what do we do at New Hope? Well, we've seen lots of people getting baptized. We saw seven, this is an older picture, but we saw seven people get baptized this year. We've seen numerous people get saved and, and be involved in church. Um, you think a coconut falling on your head is bad. See this? That's a bullet. Uh, a bullet done that. Uh, we had our, our, uh, one of our cars parked out outside a church in Tallaght and it was a drive-by shooting and a bullet went through that window right through to the back. Okay? So just in case you thought coconuts were bad, in Tallaght it's bullets. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Next missionary beat that. Alright. <laughs> Alright. So th this is this is New Hope. This is uh, this is a number of months ago. Um, since this picture was done, we've got triple glazing windows. These are all wooden windows, but there's triple glazing now on all these. Uh, we've had the heating totally replaced. Um, so we've done a lot of a lot of different work. But everything we do, it's all about people, because God's interested in people. He's not interested in buildings. We need buildings for people, but the reality is, He's interested in people. And um, never lose sight of who God wants you to win and what your main objective is. It's not to buy a new building. It's always about the people. Right. And often we can lose sight of that. And, um, you know, and sometimes we can even, you know, I, I know churches, I know a small church, and I love them. They don't support me or anything like that, but there are a handful of people, and I mean a handful, you know, uh, there's only five fingers on a hand. There's, there's only... There's not many people in the church, but they support like 60 different missionaries. But yet they only have a handful of people. And sometimes you can pick one thing that you totally get focused on and you miss everything else. And although that's great to have that 60 missionaries out there, you know, uh, you know, I suppose getting fruit for you and you're, you're following God uh, to do that, but don't forget about here. Don't forget about the people that walk through those two doors at the back, the children that walk in with them. It's about people, and it's about the people here, and it's about the people here getting a vision for reaching people out there, 
Uh, we'll get there in the in the message. Uh, but some important people turn up at a new hope and they're invited. See, all politicians are always interested in now snapshot. Let me tell you. Um, but this is uh, Chrissy Bourke. He's the Lord Mayor of Dublin, or was. He's just been released. This is the Mayor of South Dublin. And uh, this is Charlie O'Connor. He wasn't invited. He just turned up anyway for his picture. Uh, he, he's a local politician. Uh, has a heart. His son died this past year from, from drug addiction. And he has a heart for, for addiction. But, um, you know, people are taking notice of what God has done at New Hope. Okay? Because we don't get money off the government around like that to do what we do. This is the living room. I don't have many pictures of the house because uh, I changed computers lately. Um, but uh, these are uh, the two Pauls. All right? Paul 1, Paul 2. Um, this is in Willie's wedding in America. No big red-haired Willie? This is at his wedding, all right? Um, Paul O'Keefe was uh, one of the first guys that I took in. He used to sleep in a tent in the Catholic church in Tala Village. And me and Claire took him in to live with us. He was one of the first guys you would have read about back in the day when we started the ministry. Uh, uh, he is still going on. Uh, his family and him, they live in America right now. And uh, they're members of a, a great Baptist church over in Flint. Now you're going to say, can anything good come from Flint? Uh, Flint is a pretty bad place. But they're, they're involved in a church there. And, uh, and then we have Paul. Paul came with me as well. Paul's coming to Weston's wedding too. Um, just in case any single ladies over there. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> yes, you did. Damien. When you were asleep on the way down, that's what he was saying. <laughs> New Hope Residential Center. We didn't have any big investor come in when we started this ministry back in the day. We actually didn't even have enough money to pay the first month's rent. We didn't have any furniture or beds or anything. And God has met the, the, the need all the way along, honestly. And he doesn't, like, New Hope, is, it's an amazing place. And it's, it's huge. We're about to go from 15 right now to 19. And then another six beds on top of that. By the, by, by the summer, we're going to be looking after 25 people. 20, housing 25 people with no cash. <laughs> you know, no big investor. But there's somebody that's invested in it. And that's God. And God has always met the need and will continue to meet the need. So that's New Hope. That's our two buildings. That's our main one where the living room and dining room and all that is in. And that is the second one which mainly just bedrooms but there's going to be two offices there. Uh, there's a tennis court around the side but don't go thinking, oh, they have a tennis court. If you saw it, you wouldn't think it was a tennis court. Uh, and we have chickens and all that kind of stuff but uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. Um, this is me signing the papers to buy New Hope Residential Centre. And I couldn't have done it without you. And you sent down a number of different gifts to us to help us with that. And we really appreciate it. And as you can see, it was worth it. Wasn't it worth it? Wasn't it worth it? And you can, you can look back at what you've done last year and say, you know what the Lord used us to do last year to help buy New Hope? And then New Hope has, hasn't just sat down and said, okay, we have our building now, let's take it easy. No, we're, we're looking to take in more people. We're looking to go out further. Currently, we ha we're looking at missions. We have people from Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, um, Cork. Um, had a guy from Sligo. He's coming in in a couple of weeks. Um, but from all over. I mean, we're not just reaching people in Tallaght. 
it's all over people are able to send us people. So that's what we do on New Hope. And I can answer any questions. You're going to say, where did the money come for the two houses? Let me just tell you that quickly. Um, we put in for a, a grant. It's called CAS. It's Capital Assistance um, Scheme. And what it is, it's for organizations that deal with homeless people and st basically homeless people, for them to buy properties and basically so the charity, we're a charity, so the charity basically look after the property and after 30 years of using the property to help homeless people, the charity then owned it. So we put in for money to buy some houses for aftercare houses or for houses when lads finish the program to move into for a time till they get their own place down further down the line. So we put in for stuff like that and we're thinking, we're never going to get that. But you know what? We did get it. The council sent us a letter saying, okay, we're after giving you uh, 330,000 to buy properties. So we have bought one. I think we're meant to get the keys tomorrow or the next day. And the other one is a couple of months down the line. Uh, it's totally ours to have our guys in to finish our program. And all we're responsible for doing is providing housing for these guys. All the extra stuff that, that they do and that we do, they're not interested in that. At any point, we don't owe any money. It doesn't cost us anything. There's no repayments that we have to make. Um, we could hand back the keys any time. Uh, but we, it gives us another two houses, which is essential for guys leaving the program to have another step along the way in the right direction that we're involved in and helping them. So God made that thing happen. I mean, that wasn't us. Um, but God has given us favor with, with important people around the place. And it's because of the testimony of what God is doing at New Hope. Um, so that's New Hope. Um, and I'm happy to answer any questions that you have later on. But we get to the, the bit that I like, uh, the preaching bit. If you would turn to Second Kings chapter 6, we're going to look at a passage of the Bible. I knew the presentation was going to take longer than, than, um, than it would. But Second Kings chapter 6. I want to talk to you this morning about reaching your community for Christ. Okay? Reaching your community for Christ. Second Corinthians, our Second Kings chapter 6. You know, this is one of these passages, and there's been many passages over the years that have just gripped my heart, and, you know, God will just arrest you with them, and, and you know, you'll be chewing on them for a number of months. And uh, this is one of them for me. Because I'm, in, I'm interested in uh, and looking at it from a number of different angles, but... For time's sake this morning, because I know we have to be out here by midnight tonight, um, <laughs> we're going to look at it from the, the idea of, of reaching your community for Christ. Okay? Because missions will never start out there until it really has you in here. Okay? And that's, that's where we need to start. So uh, I'm, the, the, I'm the first guy in the door, so I think we start here, and then I'm sure other people will move out. Um, but uh, this passage in the Bible, when, when, we're, when we're looking at it, I want you to see the prophets in it. And look what the prophets were. What were they? They were builders. Okay? So the guys in the story that we're looking at, they were builders. They were prophets, but they were builders. They wanted to build a Bible school, discipleship type home um, in, the, uh, in, a, in, a, in an area because there was a need for it. And if we're to build our churches and reach people in our communities for Jesus Christ, we need to have the same characteristics that they had. And, you know, the characteristics that are necessary for reaching our communities for Christ 
you know, they don't just come, you know, naturally. You have to plan. You have to get ready. You have to prepare yourself. You know, when it comes to the missions offering, you can't just say, well, I'll have whatever's left in my pocket here. You know, oh, but I need to put that back in because going for dinner later. You know, it can't be like that. You have to actually prepare and get yourself ready for it. Um, but let's, let's look at, uh, at what we're going to do. The characteristics, well, one of them is, let me give you the verse. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Isn't that true? So that's in Proverbs 29:18. And, uh, you know, you need to have a vision, and not just a vision for way out there, but you need to have a vision for growth in here and in your community. Okay? If you don't see it as happening, you won't plan for it to happen, and have a guess what? It won't happen. Right? I mean, you'll be sitting here talking about it in uh, another six years. And, uh, and I'll be back here down, down saying the same thing. And I'll just bring back the same message until we get it, all right? Um, but we have to get it. We have to see the need that's in our communities. We, we, do not do until, we do not do until we see forced, all right? We do not do until we see forced. That's probably not the best English, but I'm from Tala. That's as good as it gets, all right? <laughs> um, but we don't do until we actually see forced. Isn't that true? So you need to see a force. You need to see it in your mind's eye. You need to have that vision. You need to have that in your head. This thing can happen. This thing can work. You've probably heard of the two shoe salesmen from um, that went to, and they were they were going into a, they were sent to a different country to sell shoes. And uh, after a few weeks, uh, one of them phones the company and he says, "Listen, I'm coming home. Nobody nobody wears shoes around here." Well, his vision determined his response. The second guy phoned the, the, the office a couple of weeks later too and he says, listen, you need to get me more shoes. These people need shoes. None of them have any. <laughs> What's the difference? They're in the same place. It's the difference in the way you see it will determine your response to the need. Is there a need in our communities? Oh, you better believe it. You better believe it. Listen, there's a great need. You know, uh, if you see people you're called to minister to as being hard and uninterested, you'll soon lose focus on trying to reach them. Because what's the point? Isn't that true? That's true. Why didn't you ask anybody to church this week? Because, man, I've asked them before and they haven't come. And I've done this and I've done that and I was busy. We're all busy. We all need to keep going, though. You know, how you usually it's not uh, what you see that determines your actions, but how you see it. Your vision will determine your commitment to reach in your community. You know, um, and friends, before we even get to, you know, reaching bigger than this, we actually have to get this one down and, and nail it down. We have to get good at reaching the people in our community. Okay? Because, you know, God has this church here for that reason. And for reaching the rest of the world, but for reaching here too. It's vitally important for the, the health of the church here. You see, you know, it's, you know, if you think people won't listen and you get that in your head and, you you know, you're, you get discouraged and you, you start to, you know, hold back from sharing, you get to hold, start holding back from doing what you should be doing, you know, you're totally forgetting that somebody else is involved in the picture. And when it comes to reaching your community, never forget God. Now, I know that sounds dead simple. Never forget God. Well, of course we're not going to forget God. You know what? Most evangelism that happens, happens without God. 
It's people going out in their own steam, in their own power, trying to reach people, and they're not going to do it. We need God desperately to be involved in our outreach and involved in our ministries. Absolutely, we need him desperately because he's, he's the one that says he'll provide the power. He's the one that gave the promise that he'd be with us. You know, he's the one that promised he will build his church. You know what? It's his, it's his ministry. It's, it's him that has to do it. Now, you're a tool in God's hand. But listen, you, can, you can't do it on your own. You need God's help to do it. And if you don't have God helping you do it, you're going to be a failure. I mean, if you were to think of what's gone on in New Hope, you know, New Hope hasn't been built by some successful businessman or some highly educated dude back in Tala. It's been built by God using different individuals along the way to take steps of faith forward. Listen, God has to be in what you're doing. You know what? You have to see uh, the people as desperately needing Jesus Christ. And if you do, you will be committed and determined to see them saved. You know, um, you need to get to the place where you're willing to pray for people, that you're willing to go. He mightn't send you somewhere, but you need to be willing. But he will send you to your hometown. So every single person in here is sent. You mightn't get sent away from your hometown, but you're definitely sent to your hometown. And then we need to give. And you say, I knew you'd get to the giving part. I knew it. Listen, I'm not going to pretend and kid on that missions doesn't need financial support. Of course it does. What family in here doesn't need any money for, for their weekly bills? Missionaries are no different. If I didn't, if I didn't have missionary support and you would, you know, if I told you how much missionary support I have, it would shock, shock the life out of But the, the truth is, missions doesn't happen unless you're going to put your hand in and actually financially support the missionaries. Because I tell you what, if I had to work a job, all that presentation that, that i just done, I wouldn't have been able to be involved in that. And it wouldn't have happened. And it's just it wouldn't have happened. I would have been too busy, you know, uh, at a job every day. Now, do I work more hours than, um, than I would have? I, do I work 35 hours a week? If I got 35 hours a week job, I would be laughing. Honestly. Um, there are nights where I don't get in until 10 o'clock at night. There's, I, I, you know, meetings pretty much. I, I was away 28 Sundays, or tw- I had 28 uh, preaching schedule in me already last year. 28 times I was away preaching. That's a lot. You think of 28 uh, uh, weekends out of the year, you had to be away. That's a lot. Did I have to be in, in the men's home Monday to Friday anyway? Yeah. Listen, it takes a lot. So it takes a lot for the missionaries serving and serving hard and serving well. But listen, if you have to go and work a job as well, now there are some tent makers that can work a job and they're starting a church and all that, and that's great. But there's certain times in missionaries that you just need to be willing to give and give again and give again and be involved in it. And I would encourage you, make sure your missionaries are hard workers. Because I certainly don't want to be giving, you know, my money to a missionary if I think he's sitting around, uh, you know, Monday to Saturday. Yeah. You know, a missionary should be a hard worker or he should never get sent out of a church. Amen. That's that's what I would say. So we need to be involved in missions. 
You know, we need to be willing to go. We need to be willing to pray. We need to be willing to give. You know, however, however you see uh, your vision will determine your commitment to reach in your community. And as a church, you need to have a vision for each of your community. The church will have different programs and different services to reach your community. You have the one about love coming up. You have the, the handouts back there. All that is, is tailored to go and reach your community, bring somebody in. You have tomorrow night, you have in the pastor's house, you have a, a ladies' Bible study. Tailored to reach ladies. So what do you have to do to make that effective? Bring ladies. Okay? That's easy, isn't it? <laughs> it's not so easy. But uh, the reality is, the church is organized and is setting up different things for you to go and be a help to you reach in your community. Well, we haven't looked at Second Kings 6 yet, so we better look, because I'm looking and I have a couple of minutes left. Second uh, Kings chapter 6. You know, and we're going to be looking at the prophets and, the, and their, their builders. So we want you to learn, uh, you know, and see their vision in a sense for what was going on. Because missions and reaching your community, it must be an urgent vision. Look at verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the, uh, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us too small there's not enough space you know we need to be moving forward and, and look at the look at what they're saying you know there's urgency in what they're saying you know they're coming and what's the word there now look now okay you said to Elijah Elijah behold now not later now the need is there right now your community needs you right now your community needs God right now you know uh, and you need to get that, you know, do we have the same response with real urgency that they had? Because we do need it. You know, when we hear the news uh, on the uh, on the radio or on the TV about the, the violence and the, and the trouble that's in our communities, what does it do to us? Have you got so hard with that? It's just another another day in, uh, in downtown Dublin or wherever it might be. You know, last, this week in a hotel, Two gunmen walked in with AK-47 machine guns. And if you haven't seen the picture, look on the Independence uh, website. You see them walking in with big, huge, high-powered machine guns during the day in our country and shooting the place up with all kids and all around. Right. We would think that would be crazy in another country, but it's not in another country. It's in our country. It's in our communities. People are in desperate need of God. Families are in desperate need of God. Balancholic is in desperate need of God. Yes. You know, uh, we need to have passionate people involved in, in reaching our communities. There's a real urgency. You need to be urgent about what you're doing. You need to get to the place where it's really important to you. It should be an unlimited vision. There shouldn't be just, you know, putting stops on it here, there. You know, you need to keep looking and saying, what can God do? Well, let's get bigger. You know, let's, we're going to need more space. You plan ahead. You can see we're doing that. A new hope. I'm just making four new bedrooms. And then I'm talking to you about this next year, the year after, building the thing and making more bedrooms. You know, uh, and you're thinking, how are you going to do all this? I don't know. <laughs> it's the reality. But you need to plan for it. You need to get ready for it. You know, you have to have your vision. Don't just have it so narrow. Listen, look at what the prophet said here in the story. The place where we dwell is too straight for us. No, it's too small. We need to get bigger. We need to have more space. We need to be able to take in more people. We need to be able to train up more men to go and, 
uh, and talk for God. Listen, let's get let's get busy here. And um, you know, when it comes to you and your vision for reaching your community and, and, and missions, what limits your vision, or what issues get in the way of you having a vision in your own life and in your own family for missions or for outreach or for reaching your community? Is it you know? The world is it. The world has a grip in your heart, and it's hard to to get away from it. Is it pleasure? Can't give up any more time. You know, is it finances? You know, things are too tight. You know, I, I can't give any more money to missions. I wish past would stop bringing in missionaries because we have to give them an, an offering. And I tell you, if that's your attitude, you've just missed the whole thing. Just missed the whole thing. And listen, that does that happen in people's hearts? Oh yes, it does. Oh yes, it does. You know, what about motivation? Just can't, can't get yourself going anymore. When you were four saved, oh man, if they said there was a missions conference on and we're doing some evangelism, you would have been there. But now it's like hard. Now they can't even get you to join the choir. Isn't that right? Is that right? <laughs> See, I was listening this morning. <laughs> um, but you know what? You need to get motivated. What motivates you? Ask yourself that. What is it right now that actually motivates you? O'Shane loves football. One of my boys, he is a fanatic. Listen, I brainwashed him to Man United, so he, but he, listen, he would in the lashing rain go outside with his ball and play on the grass playing football. And he, he, he wears gloves all the time now because he says he's like Bastian Swinesteiger. Alright? So, we had him in a kid's play place yesterday. You know, all the kids are running around that's sweating, everybody's in t-shirts and all that. He's running around with the gloves on. <laughs> you know what? We need to get that way about what we're doing. We need to get passionate. You need to have your, you need to be motivated. He's motivated that even if it's cold or raining, he still loves it that much. He'll go out and play. Isn't that, and we not like that? We're not like that. We should be like that though. We should be like that when there's something on at the church that's cold. You know what, man, Pansy wanted us out at 6 o'clock. Chelsea are playing Man United today. You know, it's hard, sacrifices and stuff. Uh, it's hard. Let's move on before we start. <laughs> Don't talk about that football and that just gets me, so stay away from that one. Let me tell you a story. Oftentimes when it comes to doing outreach and stuff and our vision of what we're going to do, you know, faith plays a huge part in, in what we do and the lack of faith and fear grips our hearts. See, when people talk about going out and sharing your faith, you know what? Most people just, it's the fear that gets them. And they think, I'm not able. You know why you think you're not able? Because the devil has you believing that you're not able. You are able. God is in you and he's able. Listen, you need to go with his power, trust in him to do it. Another problem can be for us is just the status quo. I've been doing I've been like this for a while. Just, just the way it is. You need to get past that. Listen, you need to get past that. Why are, you, why are you doing things this way? Well, I've always done it this way. Here's a story about a woman and um, This fella comes in and he, his wife is, is cooking. And when she's cooking the, uh, the ham, she always cuts off the shank off the ham and, uh, before it's cooked. And when he inquired, why did you do that? She says, well, that's the way my mother does it. And, uh, you know, so he got curious. And he went to the mother-in-law and he says, uh, so... Why do you cook your ham like that? Why do you cut off the shank before you cook the ham? And she says, uh, that's the way my mother done it. <laughs> so he, uh, he thought, well, I need to get to the bottom of this. There's something, something going on here. So he phones the, the grandmother. And he says, listen, I, I know you're busy, but I have, I have a question for you. 
why do you cut off the shank before you cook the ham? And she says, because my pot's too small. <laughs> so sometimes we keep doing stuff. We're not sure why we're doing it. It's not working, or it could be better done another way. But because we've always done it this way, yeah. let's keep doing it that way. Yeah. Well, that's just a recipe for disaster, okay? You know what? That's, that's just not going to work. You know, you're, you're just going to have to, you know, be led of God when you're going to do outreach and evangelism. Be wise about what you do, and God will lead you. It's in his interest to, to lead you to do it. And I'm looking at the clock, and can somebody go and just turn that back? Just a few minutes, that would help. We are just about done. And uh, so when you, when you get to the place where you have a vision and you start getting passionate again, you start getting motivated again, I hope you do, but there has that, 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 for that plan to, for that vision to become a reality, you actually have to plan for it, or that vision will remain an unfulfilled dream. There'll be something that you think about every time a missionary comes in, well, yeah, we should do this, we should do this, and it never happens for you. You actually have to plan for it to happen. Okay? Let's look at verse 2 there. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and we'll take every man a beam, and let us make us a place where we may dwell. And he, he answered, go ye. You know what? They planned for total participation in what they were doing. They said, let us go. Each of us. Every one of us grab a beam. Listen, when it comes to doing, being involved in reaching your community and your church, it's going to take every one of you not just a few. Every one of you needs to get involved. Don't just leave it to other people. And, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes the, the mothers get off easy, especially with kids. So let me, let me talk just for a minute about that. I would encourage us, if you have young kids, that you plan someday where you even go out and throw leaflets through a door when it's dry and bring the kids for a walk which is doing it. What are you doing there? One, you're getting exercise, so that's great. You can pick that box for the day. The other thing is, though, you're teaching your kids when they're young about delivering leaflets, about putting stuff in the door, and it keeps you going. And I know it's not easy. My wife has five kids. It's not easy to be involved doing stuff. But the reality is, don't let that be your reason why you're not involved, because it's not a good reason. It's a good training opportunity. See, depending on how you see things, depending on what you do with it. Um, the whole church needs to be involved. That means every one of us. You know, when the prophets planned, they needed to get the necessary materials. They said, everyone grab a beam. You know what? There's a financial cost to all this. Don't forget it. Be involved in that part of it. You do need to pray. You do need to be willing to go. And you do need to be willing to give. You know what? When you have your plan and you have your, your uh, everything set up and you know what you're going to do, um, look at verse 3. And then one said, Be content, I pray thee, to go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. You know what? I believe when Elisha is talking here, he actually catches it from the point of view of, here's a load of passionate guys that are wanting to get involved, wanting to do work for God, wanting to build this thing and get it going off the ground. And listen, when a few of you get really passionate about reaching your community and are passionate about God again, that's what happens. It becomes contagious. Other people start to get it. And it's really important that you step out there like that. That it's not just the same ones all the time doing it. You need to catch the fire in a sense from each other. Encourage one another to get going. Another essential ingredient. Look at verse 4. So he went with them and when they came to Jordan they cut down wood. Another essential ingredient about reaching your community. You know what? Is work. Is work. Listen, uh, you have to be willing to work. Uh, we build by working. You know, 
God plans to win the world, but He'll never do it while we're sitting on the seat. You have to be willing to go. It takes effort. It takes work. You know, you can have a vision and, you know, and a plan, but if you don't put the effort in, listen, nothing's going to happen. You know, we're going to reach our communities uh, for Christ. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of people. It's going to take a lot of laborers. Isn't that where we always fall down? Always falls down with laborers. Last point. You know what? It's going to take commitment. You have to stay with it. Oftentimes at missions conferences, we hear a message or we'll hear testimony and we'll say, do you know what? When I go home, see, tomorrow I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then we kind of just fizzle out. We have to keep it going. Make a commitment to the Lord about what you're going to do to reach your community, to be involved in missions and actually stay with it. Get committed to it so it doesn't just let off. You're going to find when you get involved in reaching your community and reaching for missions and seeing people reached, when a work of God gets established and God's doing the work, there's always problems that come in. The devil always attacks. You, you've read my prayer letters. You know the problems that, we have, that the Kellys have gone through and that the Kellys have. Listen, things are tough. When God starts to do work, the devil doesn't just sit there and say, listen, I can't take this. I'm, I need to take a step back here. He fights even harder for, for you and for your time. You need to be ready for that fight. You know what? These men went. They went with a plan. They went with a spiritual leader. They wanted to see things happen. They were willing to do it. They were all involved. They went there. The axe head fell off, caused them problems. But you know what? God stepped in. When God stepped in, he fixed the problem, and that mission was established there. Uh, and that God done a work. But it took some people to get passionate, committed, stick at it, keep going, be involved in wanting to teach and disciple people and train people about the things of God. And God, God was in the middle of it. And listen, God will help you if you'll go and, and reach your community. That's why you're here. And you'll, you'll reach the rest of the world if you'll reach your community.